This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. First reading is from Isaiah, prophet, chapter 25 of his book. Our God promises us the best of blessings through our connection to him. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad his salvation. The potato dish was so deliciously cheesy that a line of melted cheese followed the serving spoon all the way from the dish to your plate. You had to take your fork to cut that line so you wouldn't leave a mess all over the table. The corn and cauliflower and carrot medley, it looked really good on its own. And then you put the pad of butter on the top and the heat from the vegetables caused that butter to melt and spread its salty goodness all over making something that was good even better. The honey glazed ham was just the perfect temperature and it was the perfect texture and it was the perfect combination of salty and sweet. The turkey was perfect too. You could see the little sliver of skin with just a touch of crispness. You could see the moisture almost oozing out of that white meat. The napkin gets pulled off of the basket of freshly baked rolls and it makes the whole room smell like delicious freshly baked bread. It smells so good you think you could eat the whole basket but you won't. Just one, probably two, maybe three at the most. And then your plate is finished and you slump back into your chair and you start eyeing up a spot on the couch where you're going to take your after dinner nap. You feel like you won't have to eat for a week, and then in place of that dirty plate, a new one, a smaller one with a perfect triangle of warm apple pie and a perfect sphere of ice cream, at least it was until it started melting into a gooey, delicious lake on that plate. I guess there's room for pie. Is your mouth watering yet? It's never too early to start a countdown to Thanksgiving. Let's do that today. 46 days until Thanksgiving. 46 days until you can sit at that table and that feast can be yours. But we don't have to wait 46 days to feast. You can feast today. Regardless of what your lunch or supper plans are today, today you can feast because you have a seat A seat at a glorious feast, a glorious feast that the Lord has laid out before you. 
through the prophet Isaiah and his words of encouragement, his inspired words of encouragement to his people, we see that that truth is ours. This feast is for us to enjoy. Jamie was a firstborn child, and that meant that Jamie made her dad a first-time dad. And as Jamie learned how to be a person, Jamie's dad learned how to be a dad. They found out relatively quickly that Jamie's favorite game to play was peekaboo. She loved anything that would just for a moment break that eye contact between her and her father. And so dad would put his hands up above his eyes and say, peekaboo. Dad would hide behind the couch and then pop up and Jamie would laugh with glee. He'd hide behind the corner and then peek out even the sheets that could be raised up between them and then dropped. Peekaboo. But there's one thing that Jamie didn't like. Oh, she didn't like it at all. And that's when that sheet got placed over the top of Jamie's head. It was dark and scary and lonely in there, and she made sure that her father knew how displeased she was to be left alone beneath the sheet. All that had to happen is Dad had to poke his head under the the sheet with her, and then it was great. Now it was wonderful, but Jamie did not at all like being under that sheet alone. The prophet Isaiah tells us today in the words that are, are before us that we all live under a sheet. And even though we're not alone, even though there's plenty of company under that sheet, that, that company doesn't take away the misery that it really is. Isaiah tells us that it's a shroud that enfolds all people. It's a sheet that covers all nations. And this kind of sheet makes us feel a little bit like Jamie. We don't like it one bit. That sheet is sin. And all of its consequences and all of the ugliness that it brings into our lives. Sin creates a barricade and a barrier between us and God. It prevents us from being able to see him or know him. Sin keeps us buried there under that sheet. And the more we try to get out from underneath it, the more entangled we become. We just can't. We just simply can't muster up enough strength or power or wisdom to be able to get ourselves out from underneath this sheet that covers all people. We can't live the life that God requires of us. We can't live a truly, holy, selfless life. We can't. Try as we might, we just can't give God what he wants our whole hearts, and our whole lives. He's probably had a more successful acting career than anything else that he's done, but his first step into the spotlight was as a professional wrestler. It was as a professional wrestler that he received his nickname and that his nickname became known. But his nickname was unlike other nicknames where maybe some really big and and big fans and some people who are really close to that person might know the nickname. No, this is the opposite. Most people don't recognize the name unless he has that nickname. Dwayne Johnson sounds like someone who works in accounting. But Dwayne The Rock Johnson... 
that's a person that you probably know and maybe appreciate his work. It was before Dwayne The Rock Johnson would start a wrestling match. He had a tagline, a bit of a catchphrase. He would ask a question. He would yell out, Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? What do you think he meant by that? Do you think he had a family-style meal set up in a back room and was going to invite all who had participated and all of the fans to come and enjoy a meal? Do you think that The Rock was baking cookies and he planned to invite his opponent to a table with a glass of milk where they could reflect on what the fight meant and, and how their days were going? Do you think that's what The Rock was cooking? Of course not. The Rock was cooking up a recipe where he was going to kick the butts of whoever it was that ventured their way into that ring. He was assembling the ingredients of wrath and, and to inflict pain, and he wanted to make sure that they knew it. You know, we all are under this sheet of sin, and as we recognize that just like the people that Isaiah proclaimed these words to, we, we are just the same. We don't live our lives the way that God requires of us. We choose every day to follow our own paths and, and our own desires instead of living the lives that would bring glory and honor to God. And that means we ought to be filled with fear. God ought to cook up a bowl of wrath for us to eat. He ought to give us a jug of justice to drink. And that sheet that we can't escape, it should do more than just cover us or entangle us. It ought to be the shroud of death that wraps our lifeless bodies as we go down to spend an eternity in hell. But it's not down that God sends us. Instead, he invites us up. He invites us up to the mountain of the Lord, and it's not a bowl of wrath that he's prepared for us. But rather, you have a seat at a glorious feast. God says to us, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. Even better than Thanksgiving is the feast that the Lord has set out before us. Even better company than those you plan to invite for Thanksgiving is the company that we have feasting together with the Lord God Almighty. How is it that undeserving sinners can have a gourmet meal instead of eating our words and choking on their hypocrisy? How is it that we can eat like kings instead of drinking in justice, punishment that we deserve. Come with me for just a moment to the Garden of Gethsemane. There in that garden you see on full display the difference between a perfect and holy Savior and weak and frail sinners. There you see even the select, even the inner circle of those that Jesus called to follow him, weak and frail and unable and unwilling to be with him even at his time of greatest need. There you see the betrayer leading a mob with clubs and torches about to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 
There you see Peter about to turn this into an armed conflict, ready to fight to the death to defend the one who needs no defending. And Jesus says to Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Christ Jesus was willing to drink that cup of wrath so that that's a cup that you and I would never have to drink. He was willing to be even forsaken by God so that you and I could have a relationship with him, so that we could have the promise of life here and hereafter. Christ Jesus tasted death so that we could drink in fully the waters of eternal life. So what exactly is this mountain of the Lord? And what is this feast that Isaiah is talking about? God's people, when they would come to Jerusalem, they would have to climb a mountain. They would have to climb a mountain to get to the top because there at the top was the place where God dwells. There at the top sat the temple or in history before that, the tabernacle. They would climb that mountain and there they would offer their sacrifices and there they would hear the comforting words of forgiveness spoken to them by the priests. There at the top of that mountain they would enjoy the benefits of a relationship with God. A relationship that was only theirs because blood was shed, because a promise was made. So at the top of the mountain, at the mountain of the Lord, God's people have a relationship with him. What else happens on the mountain of the Lord? Isaiah tells us, On this mountain God will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. The sheet that covers all nations, he will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth. The mountain of the Lord is the place where sin is removed. It's the place where disgrace is destroyed. On the mountain of the Lord, God will swallow up death forever. Normally it's death that does the swallowing. casket is closed. It's taken to the cemetery and there it's dropped into the hole in the ground. The dirt is put back onto the top of the hole until it fills it fully that you can't tell that there was a hole there to begin with. And it's happened again. Death has swallowed another. But on the mountain of the Lord, it's death in that casket. On the mountain of the Lord, it's death that's buried. Christ Jesus defeats and destroys death by subjecting himself to it willingly, by offering his body and shedding his blood, by being willing to have his eyes closed in death because three days later he'd open those eyes in victory. Three days later, he'd open his eyes in new and perfect life. Three days later, he would live. And now so do we. That's why the Apostle Paul can write in the great resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, 
Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Jesus' resurrection means that nothing, nothing can keep us from the mountain of the Lord. Jesus' resurrection means that not sin, not pain, not betrayal, not disease, and most certainly not death can take us out of the hands of our loving Savior. None of those things can take our seat away. You have a seat at a glorious feast. And so, my friends, eat up. Consume as much as you can. Spend time in God's word. Celebrate the relationship that's only possible because of what Jesus has done for you and share that feast with others. There are plenty of seats. There are plenty of seats that others can sit in. There are plenty of plates where this feast can be offered. There are plenty of people who need to hear, who need to know, who don't have an invitation now, but could get it from you. That they might join you at the feast. That they might join you in an understanding of what happens on the mountain of the Lord. That they might experience its blessings and benefits. That they might know that on the mountain of the Lord, sin is destroyed, disgrace defeated, and death swallowed up and spit out forever. Our Lord Jesus gives us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet in his Holy Supper. There in the Holy Supper, Jesus gives us the best that he has to offer himself. He offers us his body and blood with bread and wine for the forgiveness of our sins. There we can see and smell and taste and touch the forgiving love of Jesus. There we can celebrate the oneness that we share with one another and the oneness that he has given us with God. There we can rejoice in his forgiveness. There we can proclaim together the Lord's death until he comes. And there we can celebrate that we have an invitation to a better meal in a better place. Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, is the place where your seat is waiting. It's pulled out nicely ready for you to take its place. Jesus is ready to give you his embrace, to place a napkin on your lap and invite you to begin to eat an eternal feast. There we will enjoy the company of saints and angels there with loved ones and those we've never met. We've got an eternity to get to know them. There we will feast together on what Jesus has given us, the banquet, the wedding supper, of the Lamb, the best of meals given to us in the best of places, to us the best of who we are through his redeeming love. We now have glorified bodies and sit in perfection at this seat, and it's all because we have the best of God's. He's the one and only Savior God. He is the one who loved us so much that he prepared a feast. He is our host and our brother and our Savior. So my friends, start today and never stop. Never stop thanking God that in him you have a seat 
at a glorious feast. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.